Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas. People, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village, the award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007 or find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. And with another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, this time... We switch back gears to Hot Springs Village Lifelong Learning Institute, where we're going to have Mr. Max T. Barnes, who's going to come and do us a concert. Max, tell us a story we haven't heard before. Oh, goodness. Well, I uh, I, I appreciate you having me here today. Uh, I hope we can have some laughs and some some yachts. But, uh, and looking forward to coming and uh, playing for you folks. But I've, one of the things uh, I tell a funny story it was to me is <laughs> I grew up in the, in the music business. As a matter of fact, I grew up in Nashville. My dad moved us here in 1973 and I was 10 years old. So I got to grow up around country music stars and stuff. And it was, even though I was around them all the time, I knew they were stars and such. But one time my dad called me, this is after I'd grown up and moved away, he called and said, Hey, do you want to meet, meet Merle Haggard? I said, yeah, you just say where and when. He goes, well, he's at my kitchen table right now. Come on over. My so Lord. I, I uh, pulled up there and uh, came in. And my dad always had, he, my dad always wrote his songs. My dad's name is Max D. Barnes. He was a writer, right. too. We'll tell you more about that. But yeah, he, he, uh, he always had like a two or three, four or five guitars sitting around because he always wrote at the kitchen table. And these country stars would come over and write at the kitchen table with my dad. My mom would make dinner or sandwiches or whatever. They were right. just real down-to-earth people from Nebraska. Everybody has so, to eat, uh, right? Yeah, everybody's got to eat. My mom was a master at getting them by the stomach, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, we're, you know, my, Merle was super nice. I expected him to be all scally like on the album covers, but he wasn't. He was very outgoing. And it's like, it was that enough was strange, you know, that he was just so affable. And uh, he goes, hey, sit down and pick with us. So I grab a guitar. He goes, what, what, what do you, what do you want to play? He goes, I said, how about working man blues? So I'm a, like a, I came up and playing lead guitar on the road for country music stars. That's how I kind of got my start. So every, every guitar player in the world wants to play working man blues, right? Sure. So I got to sit there and play working man blues with Merle Haggard. And that was just amazing. And then he said, you want to do another one? I said, uh, well, yeah. How about the better butter song? And he said, the better butter song. I've never heard of that. And I said, you know, mama tried to raise me better butter plead night. Nowadays, nowadays that would be the margarine song. 
<laughs> well, like I said, I, he laughed just like that. And I said, wait a minute. I'm the first one who gets to tell Merle Haggard that's the Better Butter song. And he said, I've never heard that before. Well, never. I came up in, in the honky tonks, you know, from a teenager. And that's we, we just said, Better Butter indeed. Kick it off, you know. Because it just kind of <laughs> became a nickname. So that's my probably my crown and jewel of my whole career. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been great. That's again, that's Max B. Barnes with. <laughs> <clears throat> what a great story what a great story i thought somewhere in there don't get me wrong i love i love the working man's blues but somewhere in there you'd be walking on the the fighting side of me which is a pretty good song too great song i love merle haggard you know just a, a few months ago well i say a few months ago pandemic has compressed everything but we had uh merle's uh son and i'm trying to think of his name right now I'm marty right. marty marty's marty. one of them and he did really great. He had a great concert here and we truly enjoyed it. Tell the nice people that were going to come and buy their tickets at lifelong learning Institute, HSVLLI.org. And that's where they're going to buy their tickets. And you're going to be here October the 7th. You say that's correct. Me and my band, uh, uh, my band is called the bloody turnips because there are just a few of us, but we get all of them out of it. We can so. We're going to we be turn in, up and we turn up. Yeah, we turn up. Yeah, that's a good one. I'll have to steal that. <laughs> I'm going to be there with my my band. We've toured toured the world. We didn't get to go to Europe this year, but we go every year. And just we love country music, and I'm a big country music fan as anybody. And we're going to be doing my songs that were hits for other artists, and my dad's songs. I'm I'm Max T Barnes, and my dad was Max D Barnes. My wife says you can remember it's different because. D is for dad and T is for trouble or ah, tacos, whichever you or like. Tacos or, or, or yeah, could be a lot of things. Could be a lot. Of My things. dad was a, was a country music songwriter and he's in the hall of fame and won CMA songs of the year and all that stuff. I'm very proud of him. He's been gone from us a long while now, but he wrote great songs like who's going to fill their shoes mm. and chiseled in stone. And 10 Feet Away by Keith Whitley, just so many big, big hits. Just he had like 500 cuts, and just there's probably almost nobody he didn't have a cut by back in the 80s and 90s. Just had so many number one, 24 number ones, sold 50 million records. And, and uh, I'm just proud to get to do his songs, and then I do my hits. You know, we're gonna go through those and tell the stories about how they intertwine. and and just kind of, you know, we'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll have a taco. Well, you know, I told for T for taco, I told uh, uh, Bill Y and Brent when we had them on the other day, I noted, you know, through the beauty of Spotify or whatever, Apple Tunes or whatever, I can listen to any song I want anytime I want and any number of times I want. But I can't hear the stories in between there. I can't know mm -hmm. the background of how we got there. And I think, for, honestly, for, for our demographic, for the people that come and watch the shows here in the village, I think that's a huge deal. I mean, give us just a snippet. Give us an idea. Golly, uh, I've got more stories than I could live long enough to tell. Um, There's a book in here somewhere, Max. Probably. Uh, my biggest song that I ever wrote, and it still it still blesses the Barnes family, was a song called "Love Me" by Colin Ray. Oh it was my number, god! It was number one for three weeks, and we went on to get nominated for CMA Song of the Year. Well, that song was written. I was playing. I told you I was a guitar player, and I was playing with an artist named Skip Ewing, 
I was playing guitar on the road with him. We had a three-day deadhead out to Utah, and we said, we're both songwriters. We ought to write a song. So we just sat down and wrote that song, chucked it in the pile, never thought another thing of it. Then I was out later with Linda Davis playing lead guitar with her. We was on the tour with Reba and the Judds, and the DJs came back and backstage for the meet and greet, which I wasn't a part of. I was just a guitar player. So... <laughs> Uh, but the, you know, you know, they're friendly hanging around and they recognized my name and said, man, I love that new song years on the charts. And I said, oh, you're probably confused with my dad. He's always got two or three on the charts. And they said, no, it's Max T Barnes. And, and that happened too. They'd put T or D, they get them mixed up, up every week even. So I, anyway, I got back to town and I looked on the billboard magazine. And sure enough, here's this artist I never heard of before, Colin Ray. From Texarkana, Arkansas, by the way. Yeah, who's one of my dearest friends now. And it's 33 on the singles charts, and I didn't even know it was cut. And that never happens. So that was a surprise. And then it went on to be number one for three weeks, not too much later. Unbelievable. I meant to, I was going to ask how you meant to, got to meet him. And, and, we were talking about this show. I'm sure you haven't had good, you know, Hot Springs Village, Inside Out, the international podcast. I'm sure you've been watching all of them, but maybe you missed an episode with Bill and, and Brent. Oh, but, I'm uh, a subscriber. Are you now? Are you now? Are you now? <laughs> uh, you're that one we found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you and my mom. I think you're the other two. I think that's what it is. Uh, but no, when, when we were uh, interviewing Bill, one of the things I was asking was, how do you do the top 40 anymore? I mean, who buys records anymore? You know, that was one of the questions, but also how do you get a song to somebody? I mean, did you send this into your publisher? They sat mulled over it and went, okay, this looks pretty good. Let's find somebody to throw this at who's good looking young and can has a great persona, you know? Yeah. I, um, I still write with friends or artists if they want to, if they're going to cut something or if they feel like they want to, I don't, I don't mess around with it anymore. Uh, because there's just the, the whole system that was there when I was there was an incredibly fine-tuned, well-designed machine. And you had hundreds, well, more than a thousand songwriters under contract when I was doing it. And even like I wrote for all the bigs like Warner Brothers, uh, MCA, Sony, and they all had over a hundred writers in each camp, you know? So uh, what they do is they put you on a salary and the better you did, the more salary you got. And that was a guarantee against about a partial of your royalties. So the better you did, it was better for you to do well. And so, and plus if you didn't do well, you wasn't going to get picked up for anything. So at that time they had, you know, all us writers, they had pluggers, which I tell people are, it's another name for song salesmen. And they go out and shop their shop our wares, you know, and we turn them in and do our best. And then they shop them. And it was a whole system. And th those people have a relationship with their contacts and us songwriters kind of pull together and do our thing. It was so well run. And the legacies like the Sony's and the Warner Brothers, so still pay and account for their pay really well, uh, like they should but there's so many indies out there who won't pay or I get people all the time saying, Hey, you want to write with this new artist on this new label? It's like, why would I do that? Nobody's ever going to pay me. It's not that I'm in it for money, but 
it, I did it for a living for 30 years. That was my job. And, you know, like, I don't know what you do for a living. If you're a mechanic or a farmer, you're not going to want to go pull weeds for fun. <laughs> so it, it's fun. I enjoy music. My, my most favorite thing is to come play for the folks. Well, I was going to say, I was going to ask two questions, how, how we got into the concert sphere and how we, we just came across for a presentation, which I know is, you know, I, I, let me be very frank. I, I know several songwriters, not everybody can sing. Everybody can, you know, they can hear it in their head and transition that, but it's wonderful. I've heard you sing and, and you do a great job. I think one of the things that also we, we need to kind of bring it back around who did you, I'm assuming you learned from your dad, right? Uh, learned what songwriting. Yeah. 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 Yes, absolutely. He, he never sat down and like taught me anything, but that's, I'd keep coming back. You know, I tried to strike out and do my own thing and listen to, and Troy Seals was a huge, um, uh, mentor to me. He signed me to my second deal at Warner brothers and, but even he didn't teach me anything. I kept coming back to my dad's simplicity. So yeah, my dad taught me everything that was worthwhile to know. Well, and, and where, where did he learn? Was it just, you know, he, you know, his generation, did he just sit down in the back room somewhere and go, Hey, these, these words and these chords sound good together. I think I'll do this. You know, I think it has more to do with, he was just a very creative and clever guy. Hmm. Uh, he, he was a truck driver from Iowa. And when he would uh, go out on his truck, you know, driving his semi-truck, he would write songs in his logbook. And I still have those. Actually, they're in the Hall of Fame now. Oh. But uh, the Hall of Fame has, um, you know, songs written on his logbook from uh, driving a semi. But he's, I think it sprung more from just being so clever. And he got into it. He was a good, good, good singer, kind of a. Waylon meets Vern Gosden singer, and that helped him a lot too. But it wound up being songwriting that was this real uh, talent. Well, let me recap. And by the way, we're having just a little bit of problem with your headset. The first couple of words that you say may not come through, but and then it comes back in. And that starts for our listeners and watchers. But I, I want to remind October the 7th, we're going to have you at the Woodlands here in Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. If you want to buy tickets, you go to www hsvlli.org that's hot springs village lifelong learning institute.org and as always these shows mr larry wilson has helped putting these together and every one of them is a sellout and every one of them is so entertaining and as you said i i can't wait to hear the stories between the songs uh so back for your dad just for a moment and i know you know, that, that's, it's not about you. It's a, it, or not about your dad. It's about you. I understand that completely, but where I go with that is, is that sitting with the table with Merle Haggard, is that not a natural end when you got a great song and you're like, hang on, I think I got one for you, Merle, or does Merle call your dad? I don't know. How does this work? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Once again, just a very couple of words. I, you said, can you hear me? Okay. And okay. Came in great. But the first part was a little quiet. It's, it's, a, okay. it's, it's a box thing is what they call, you know what it is. Okay. Well, I'll try to prattle on until I get to the meat of my subject. <laughs> Prattling is the well, name of our the middle name of this show. Prattle, prattle, prattle. Well, something like that. Like you said, would it be okay to whoop out a song on Merle? Well, of course that would be not cool. Uh, because that was my dad's venue. So 
there's a million subtleties like that that you kind of got to know. And if you don't know, you are out on your ear and nobody will let you back in. If there's a, there's so many subtleties in this business about getting to hang out with, you know, pull one weird thing that just won't have you back. You know, uh, I was able to be around Merle a few times. I, actually, when I proposed to my wife, we was opening for him. I was a guitar player again with Scoop Ewing at Billy Bob's and, you know, got to say hello, but I hadn't really met him until I met him with my dad. And then he, uh, invited me down to the recording studio when they did the record uh, in my next life is on there. He and my dad wrote that together and I'm an Island, that 1994 album. And it was fun getting to see the guys in the studio. Cause I knew all the players. That's who I really kind of connect with. But, uh, it, you know, with Garth Brooks, Kenny Rogers, George Jones, you'd see them at my dad's house. It, it was a lot of fun just seeing him passing through. Well, see, I thought it was just as simple as you showed up at the bluebird. And Garth, Garth, <laughs> I, knew, I knew you'd love that joke. I knew you'd love that joke. You you show up at the Bluebird. You get you you maybe you get booked because they just got a big long list of people there. They're waiting for people from Hot Springs, Arkansas. I don't know if you know that, but uh, you know they're waiting. I put Dennis Simpson on the line, and I walk in, and Garth's sitting in the corner, and he's like, "Hey, Dennis, I've been waiting on you all day." And then I sing a song. He's like, "Oh, that's great, <coughs> Long Neck Bottle. I love that song, Dennis. Let me do that song." And that's how it works, but that's not anywhere close. And you, what you were talking about, and I want prattle about this for a minute about the etiquette, apparently of how you share a song and where you do it. It sounds like if you, you know, kind of have gas in public, if you will pardon the term, you just don't get ever get called again. Is that how that worked? I would say so, because there's just, it's kind of like there's insiders and there's outsiders. And, you know, if you're a nice enough guy or, Literally, I know people and I know instances of hit songs that were shared with guys who kind of happened to be in, in the room at the same time. And we like him and let's get so-and-so down here. He's always got something funny to say. And but he's not really a writer, per se. Yeah. Like he didn't bring any lines or music or chords, but we like him, you know, and I can tell you that. It wasn't a year went by when we didn't run into that guy or that guy was a thread through my whole career in different forms. Huh. Uh, it's a very, very loose business. And however you might imagine it, it's probably not like that. Like uh, what I mean is, you know, you can, you can, everybody in town can pitch for this, for this uh, um, album, say George Strait or something. You got a George Strait cut or a uh, hold. And you got three George Strait holds, and this one's got a hold. Pretty much there's 18 holds on the record, but there's only 10 spots. Yeah. Well, then at the last minute, somebody walks in the back door, last song, they're about to go home, and he goes, listen to this, plays it, and they cut it. And it's the biggest thing on the record. That happens all the time. Well, Bill had noted it was one of the, the biggest little towns. And I, about by the way, for everybody who's listening, and your microphone's working pretty well now, but it's still kind of cutting out. I, here's what I'd like to do, if you don't mind. After the show, after you come and present, could we do a follow-up show afterwards? Sure. Uh, I'd love to do that. and give Maybe you want to switch over, 
switch no, over fine. to the microphone. You're, you're fine right now, actually. Well, because I actually, I've got the information I wanted to talk about, and then we want to basically kind of come back to it. The bottom line is you want to go to hsvlli.org and you want to buy tickets and you want to see Mr. Max. So, now it's going to be you and your band, you said. Yep. Um, me and my band, we, we play all the, you know, all my hits. We, we play nothing but hits. We won't get in the weeds and we probably won't play a song that you've not heard before that was a hit on the radio, either mine or my dad's. Or I've got a great uh, band. We steal guitar. We don't get too loud. We just feel good. We'll make you laugh. We'll make you cry. And we'll, we'll have some, some good time. I think that's part of what people are looking for these days. In particular, I mean, let's face it. We're talking about nostalgia. We're talking about looking back and hearing that song and having that memory and going, man, I remember when they, you know, the coal miner blues or the, you know, whatever. I remember the the song that tied all that together. I remember I was, you know, in the back seat with my dad or whatever, you know, and I think that's really what we're looking for. Uh, one last question, if I can. So when you're, when you're working through and are, are there, are there the, is there a top 40? Are there charts these days? How do they even find people these days? <laughs> yeah, I know. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a music business out there somewhere. Uh, and, uh, you know, playing live, I think is a few of my friends who are still in it. Uh, Kendall Marble, Marble is one of my best friends. He tours with Chris Stapleton and he's out there doing his own thing with uh, brothers Osborne and, he does real well. He's probably my favorite male singer in Nashville. Great guy too. And I've known him for 20 years, but I don't, he's not on a chart anywhere, but he's out there doing really well. He's so on two tours. So what I'm hearing is, and, and just to try and summarize here, back when it was a monolith and there were just Warner brothers and, and RCA and MCA, and there were just so many ways to get up the monolith. At the top, it was quite a peak and it was tremendous. And there were the top 40 songs or the top 60 songs that they really only played. But nowadays that, that monolith has kind of crumbled and the people that just enjoy music and that can make a living doing it, they're not going to be billionaires from it, but they just enjoy doing it. Is that fair enough? I think, uh, and if my microphone's working, I'd say that, the technology like the YouTube and the Spotify that everybody, anybody can put something on YouTube or Spotify. And I think that's like the Gutenberg Bible or the wild west or the, you know, the gold rush of the 1840s, you know, it puts everybody on a level playing field. Now you, you can, you don't have to go through the gatekeepers at the Warners and the Sony's you put your stuff out there. And if the people love it, they love it. It's wide open. But the uh, on for the, on the other flip side is if you're not a 20-year-old guy with a model body and a hat and three names who the record company is going to push no matter how much talent or lack thereof, and if you stick them out there on the same platforms, if they don't fly, they ain't going to fly. Where as they used to could push those kind of down the throat of the public and make you buy them. And that's not happening anymore. I, uh, I, my lovely wife is four years younger than me. And, uh, I had to explain, I told this to bill the other day, I had to explain to her what payola was. And she was <laughs> like, what? I said, no, no, no. They, they would actually go around and pay radio stations to play something. She was like, you're crazy. Why, why would anybody ever do that? I'm thinking, 
Uh, this, this is more complicated than it seems. You know, there, there was a lot of layers of depth to this, if you know what I mean. And uh, sure, I, you, I, I'm sorry. You don't have to pay payola anymore. You can put it into your own career. You can buy Facebook ads or YouTube ads. And it's kind of the same thing, but at least it's on above board and you know where your money's going. Are you going to get what you paid for? I don't know. But well, it's- and, and you know, exactly as I know, I mean, the, you know, uh, Paul Williams, Okay, the composer for the Love Boat and a bunch of other songs. Good, good composer. Great guy. Writes some great songs. Horrible singer. Oh my lord, he was awful. Never told him he was too busy making billions, you know, uh, writing other songs. But but he just couldn't sing. And I was explaining to my wife, you know, I, I in my opinion, Nashville is full of unbelievably talented people that didn't have the right haircut that weren't in the right demographic that, that had a little bit different, you know, uh, Diane would say, well, I really like hearing John Conley. I'm like, honey, do you realize John Conley can't sing? I mean, do you know that, you know, and she, Oh, I love that song, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh, to be exact. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm no, I'm, this is heresy. Mr. Willie, he's not the world's best singer. You know, uh, uh, he's a fantastic writer. No question walking after midnight, you know, I mean, you, you'd pick them up he, hundreds so, of songs. Well, uh, in music and in, in art, different beats good every time. And mm. Willie is, Willie is a character. So was Paul Williams. I got to play with him one time on Bobby Barron friends, Really, his brother. Yeah. His brother. And he's a character, right? He yeah. went on to be in movies and have his own record. Yeah, Smoking the bandit and, his brother mentor was a big writer and mentor you may not know this wrote and produced drift away by dobie gray are you serious right and they were brothers his brother was about six four a good family friend so we saw him all the time and a big old dude and he and paul would go to a bar and paul would want to pick a fight he's only about four foot six (laughs) and mentors about six foot four (laughs) and it was always you know mentor picking little Paul up off the floor. So, you know, uh, these people are characters and there's lots of different ways, uh, lots of different talents that God gives us. And he gave you one and me one for the specific thing we can do and what, what we're able to do. And, uh, it's not always singing or looking great, you know? So mine, if I, if I have one at all, it's maybe, uh, telling stories and connecting with people with my songs and writing a clever song or two. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the characters who really make yeah. up the entertainment business. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like it does. And I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, one of the couple of great new songs that are on the radio or on the radio, nothing's virtually on the radio these days, except mm-hmm. for the top 20 or whatever, but, uh, you ain't Dolly and you ain't Porter. Now there's characters. I can find you better singers, but those are incredible characters. Uh, wow. you, you don't have a better, you don't have a better profile than that. If you know what I mean, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> did I say that? I think I said that. Yeah. I think, I think a line from that song would be, uh, uh, she's a little bit bigger and he, and the girl would say he's, he's a little <laughs> bit taller, you know? So, Hey, Max, it's great joining. I can tell we're going to have a fantastic time. I'll be on the front row. My wife and I will come to hear you. This sounds wonderful. I think you're going to have a great time at the Woodlands. October the 7th, 2022. I think it's 630 or 7. I have to look it up. It'll be on the tickets that you'll get at hsvlli.org. 
plug. And buddy, we look forward to having you back. Okay. Thank you so much, Dennis. God bless you. I can't wait to see uh, everybody come out. I'll shake your hand. I'd love to meet new people. We'll see I, you there. I think we're going to have to buy a t-shirt and a CD once we get there. How about that? All right. Thanks. Appreciate it, Max. See you, buddy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.